Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. So we are uh, actually going to spend some time with that Jeremiah text, <clears throat> because we have been in this series, as you guys know, on listening to and hearing from God. And so each week we've we talked a little bit about people who have heard from God, who've had uh, questions that they've sought from God, that have had life decisions they needed to make or that God was telling them to make, and they're hearing from God all these words. Um, and I say this every week, but it, it bears repeating that this is the thing that most people ask of their pastor, of their someone they see as a spiritual leader or some friend they see as a little bit further down the road is how do you hear and know God's voice? The one question that nobody ever asks is how do you obey God's voice, right? That's pretty simple, right? Just do what, it's, do what he says. Um, but the question is like how do I know what God's saying? Uh, this morning we're going to read a text of some people who were asking, and what they did was they went to their spiritual leader and they said, would you go to God for us? Seek out what his will is for us. Let us know. Well, let's just go to them. Because this morning we're actually going to talk about some people who didn't listen to God's word. And I'm just going to read all of Jeremiah 42, because it helps us in light of Jeremiah 43. So settle in, and it's about 23 verses or so, 22. So Jeremiah 42 says this, All the commanders of the forces, and Johanan, the son of Korea, and Jezaniah, and the son of Hoshiah, and the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah, so these are all the leaders they're left. Now, let's get a little bit of history. What's been going on with, with Israel? What's been going on with this, with this people? Well, it's, first of all, it's been split. So there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Uh, one is called Israel, and the other one is called Judah. And they've been split, and a lot of them have been taken over by our buddy Nebuchadnezzar, and he's pulled them away into Babylon some of them had left and now had come back, so there's this remnant here in the land it which God had promised. And this remnant, this smaller group of people are saying, well, let's hear what they say. They came near to Jeremiah and said to him in verse 2, Let our plea for mercy come before you and pray to the Lord your God for us. For all this remnant, because we are left with but a few as your eyes see us, that the Lord your God may show us the way that we should go and the thing that we should do. So what do they say? Go and pray to God. Have him show us where we should go and what we should do. Right? That's the question everybody wants from God. Like Nobody's asking God, like, you know, what's the Pythagorean theorem? Right? Nobody's asking God. I don't, that's like the one phrase from math that I remember. Uh, but nobody's asking God, like, you know, questions like that. They're all like, God, what should I do? Where should I go? Is this the right thing for me? Right? Like, that's the things that we ask from God. We want to know. And so Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God 
according to your request, and whatever the Lord answers you, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. And then they said to Jeremiah, so listen to this. So Jeremiah, they said, go ask God what we should do, where we should go. Jeremiah says, okay, I'll do what you ask me to. I'll go to God for you. And here was their response to Jeremiah in verse 5. They said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word with which the Lord your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of our God to whom we are sending uh, to, excuse me, to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So they acknowledge that their obedience to the voice of God would make it well for them, right? And they're saying, we will be faithful to whatever God tells you to do. And may God deal with us, right, if we don't. So this is their response, and that's great. That's the response you want to hear. You don't want to hear from somebody, well, go talk to God for us, but we're going to decide what we want to be true. Like they're saying, whatever God says is right and true and good, we're going to be obedient to that, whether it's good or bad, right? So this is what happened. So at the end of, the, of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and then he summoned Johanan, the son of Korea, and the commanders of the forces who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him, and so here's what he says. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. Which land were they in? The land that God had promised, right? If you will remain in this land, then I will, pull, then I will uh, pull you, uh, build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and I will not pluck you up. For I relent of the disaster that I did to you. So God's basically admitting, like, I sent you guys in to exile and had, this, had you be conquered and defeated, I brought a remnant back, and if you would remain here, then I will relent from what happened, and I will build you up, and I will plant you, and you will grow. Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid, this Nebuchadnezzar, right? Don't fear this guy. I will grant you mercy that he may have mercy on you and let you remain in your own land. So God's basically saying, I'm about to restore you guys. Just hang here. Hang with me. I'm going to restore you, and everything's going to be good. Even though the king of Babylon is still ruler over you, I'm going to make him have favor on you and do what's right in my eyes and do good to you. Verse 13, but if you say we will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God and saying, no, we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet, or be hungry for bread, and we will dwell there. Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you set your faces to enter Egypt and go and live there, then the sword that you fear shall come and overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt, and there you shall die. All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live there shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. They shall have no remnant or survivors from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my wrath were poured out on the inhabitants of Judah, Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you when you go to Egypt. You shall become a... Ex ex excuse me. When you go to Egypt, you shall become an extraction, a whore, a curse, a taunt. You shall see this place no more. The Lord has said to you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. 
Know for certainty that I have warned you to this day that you, that you have gone astray at the cost of your lives. For you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and whatever the Lord our God says and declares us, we will do it. And I have this day declared to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God in anything that he has sent me to tell you. Now therefore know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, in the place where you desire to go and live. Jeremiah is asked by the people, go to God for us. Just tell us what to do. God, that's all we want to do, right? Like that's what we want to know. God, just tell us what to do. And we'll do it, good or bad. Whatever God says, we're going to be obedient to. So he goes, and God sends this word and says, even though you were conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and y'all, your whole place was ransacked and you're still a conquered people and you were pulled out into exile, I brought a remnant back for you. And I'm going to be faithful to my original promise. And I'm going to plant you here. And I'm going to build you up and not tear you down and not pluck you out. And I'm going to make it good. And I'm going to have the king give favor to you. And all this is going to be good if you just stay here. But God knows they're, they're pondering another choice, which is why they wanted someone to go to God. Usually when that happens, we're, we're faced with a crossroads, right? When we go to God and say, God, tell us what to do, we're faced with something, some choice we have to make. And so they knew... And God said, but if you go with this other choice that you're considering, which is going to Egypt, know that what you're going to Egypt to try to avoid is actually going to find you there, and you're going to be conquered, destroyed, and um, this is what's going to happen. And so Jeremiah reminds them at the end, says, remember, you told me, go to God, and good or bad, you're going to be obedient to what he says to do. And if you're disobedient, know again. Jeremiah reiterates the word of God. If you're disobedient, know that you're about to be plucked out and you're going to be destroyed and you're going you're gonna to encounter all that you would hope to avoid by doing this. So that's Jeremiah 42. It's the people presented with a choice and they actually get an answer from God. Now, granted, it wasn't an immediate answer, was it? For some of us, 10 days is a pretty immediate answer. But it took some time. Jeremiah goes before God and waits 10 days and finally hears this answer from God. So there was this, there's this uh, idea of like, you know, kind of waiting there on God and hearing this voice and knowing what it was. And it wasn't a bad word, was it? God's saying, hey, just hang, hang it home. The place that, that, your peop- that, that your ancestors longed for and that your less distant ancestors thrived in, I'm about to restore all that to you, this land that was promised. All you got to do is hang here and trust in me. Don't trust on what you want to do. Don't trust on your own wisdom, what you think makes the most sense. Because what made the most sense? <laughs> Running away from a land where there's maybe another king, a pharaoh that's you know, in power that maybe could protect them if they just go there. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. It's not far away. Egypt and you know Israel are not far away. Just you go there, you know, and and that made like good strategic sense. And God said, "Don't follow that. Just stay here. Trust in me. Trust that I will do what I say." But if you try to go on your own, there's going to be a big, bad deal. So we all got that. And that's good. So they got a, they got an answer from God about what they wanted, and it wasn't bad. It was just like here's the, here's the choices. Here's the one you need to make, and here's the danger. If you don't make it, how many of you guys would like to hear from God in that way? I would. I would like for God to say, Friar, this is what you need to do. 
And if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And that would make it easy. That would be great. It's a roadmap. That's something I can read. It's like, okay, fantastic. Let's do that. It's almost like, you know, like the scripture that Heather read this morning. Um, or was it Heather or was it Lily? I think it was Heather's. I think it was a text in Romans where it talks. Yeah, it was a text in Romans where it talks about uh, maybe I'm, I'm getting myself confused about the faith, about who hopes in what they don't see. Uh, who, who hopes in what they see. You know, you don't have to hope in what you see. You see it. You got it. It's right there. And that's a whole lot easier than, than God just, you know, God could have just said, well, I'm telling you, you just need to have faith and trust and know and just hang here. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. It could be bad. It could be good. But just stay here. And he could have said that. There's other places in Scripture where we see God just tell them what to do, but don't, don't give them any kind of, you know, good, bad, or indifferent explanation of what's about to happen. And he could have done that, but he didn't. Like, he really, like, it was not faith at that point. They just had to, they, he was telling them, like, they could see it. Like, God said, all you got to do is stay here, and I'm going to do this. If you go here, here's what's going to happen. All right. So now that we've beat Jeremiah 42 down, right, you guys got that. Let's go to Jeremiah 43. Now, in light of Jeremiah 42, hear the words of Jeremiah 43. And so when Jeremiah had finished speaking... To the people, all these words of the Lord their God, with which the Lord their God had sent them to had sent him to them, Azariah the son of Hoshaphat, that, and Jonathan son of Kareah, and all the insolent men said to Jeremiah. Now, some of you guys have a translation that says all the arrogant men. I like that one a lot better. Mine says insolent. But all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you're telling a lie. The Lord our God did not send you. Notice this. Well, we'll come back to it. The Lord our God did not send you to say, do not go to Egypt and live there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, has set you against us. Now, to give you guys an idea, Baruch is basically the scribe for Jeremiah. He's the guy who kind of works with Jeremiah's writing stuff down and helping him out. They're saying, Baruch, the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hands of the Chaldeans so that they may kill us or take us into exile in Babylon. So Jehanan, son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces and all the people did not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Jehanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders and forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to live in the land that... Um, to live in the land of Judah from all the nations to which they had been driven, the men, the women, the children, the princesses, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, his mom and dad should have thought through that one, the captain of the guard had left with Gedaliah, the son of Hakim, and Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah, and they came into the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord, and they arrived at, what did you call it, James Toppenese? We'll go with that. All right. Jeremiah 42. Go to God for us, Jeremiah. Ask him what we should do. He does. God gives him a perfect roadmap. He says, here's what to do. And I'm not even going to make it like hard for you to make the decision because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if you make the one decision. I'm going to tell you what happens to make the other decision. Jeremiah 43. Jeremiah, you're a liar. God didn't tell you to say that. people of Israel, the remnant that had come back from exile, they didn't want to hear from God. They wanted God to 
to tell them what they were thinking was right. They had their minds made up. Didn't we talk about that a couple weeks ago? They had their minds already made up. They didn't want to hear from God. Jeremiah, you did not tell us what we wanted to hear, so you have to be a liar. We don't have Jeremiah often to, to blame things on. But what, are, what, is it, what does some people say? What, what happens sometimes when we hear the word of God? Or we may hear God speaking. It's not what we want to hear. Satan, is that you again telling me to do this, that, or the other? It is such a dangerous um, place to be in. And the temptation is there because we don't always have the roadmap because we are having to see and hope for what we cannot yet see. We're feeling our way through this thing and we're just trusting in God and sometimes it, the temptation is there to ignore everything that doesn't meet what we want, right? We go into a situation with an idea of how it's going to go. It doesn't go that way, so it must not be God. Or it is going the way we hoped it. And we get this kind of feeling that maybe we should change. And it's like, God, that, ain't, that doesn't sound right. That's not God. That's crazy talk. That's the danger that each of us face. But one thing I want to point out, and we're going to get to the conclusion. Well, not really the conclusion because we've got to really go, go through chapter 45 to get all the conclusion. But God told us in 42 what the conclusion would be if they made that choice. And that is what happened. So... Uh, but what I do want to, uh, it's chapter 42, excuse me. When they told Jeremiah, they said, go to the Lord, your God. Jeremiah, go to the Lord, your God, and find out what we should do. It's almost as a, it's a little bit of a sign of respect and almost as a sign of like, we're not really even sure of our communion with God because we've been pulled out, we've been taken into exile, We've been wrong in a lot of ways, which is why we were conquered. We are, we are now because we saw the fruit of all of our evil ways, and we heard from the prophet saying, if we don't turn, this is going to happen. And now we know, Jeremiah, you're a prophet. We've done what's wrong. God has brought us back. Now go to that God. That God, we don't even really feel like we have a relationship with right now. Go to your God and find out. What does Jeremiah respond to them? This is what the Lord your God is saying. Like, it's not just mine, it's yours too. Like, this is what the Lord, your God, is saying to you. He is your God as well. Now, when they get to verse 40, chapter 43, what do they say? This is not, you're telling a lie. This is not what the Lord, our God, said to you. It's this interesting, like, little change in their mindset. You know, at one point, they weren't sure they were in fellowship with God. So, Jeremiah, go and pray to the Lord your God. Have him tell us what to do. He doesn't tell them what they want. That's not what the Lord our God's telling us to do, and, and they're right. Whatever God they were following, whatever path they thought was better, wasn't what Jeremiah was saying, so it wasn't what they were letting lead them, so it certainly wasn't their God, even though he is their God. But they had picked up another God, right? They had, they had kind of figured out something else that they wanted to put in the place of what was true and what was good. They had asked for truth, and then they call that truth a lie. And that's a temptation for us, isn't it? To ask God to tell us and to show us what we should do. 
And then whether it's internally or externally, say, well, that's not truth. That's something different. They had asked for truth and they called it a lie. They had heard God's voice. The one thing that we really want, right? God is speaking through his prophet Jeremiah to them. They had heard God's voice. That's the thing that we want. God, I want to know your voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you're telling me in the situation. They'd heard it and they refused to. They had heard what God's will was and yet they followed their own will. They picked up all the people and said, no, we're going to go to Egypt. That makes the most sense. That's the most logical. Staying here is not logical. Oftentimes when God is speaking to us, it's not 100% true. Don't bank your life on this. But a lot of times when God's speaking to us, he's asking us to do the illogical thing, the thing that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, the thing that really doesn't square with everything else. And in a lot of ways, it's because God just wants to show like, I'm God. You don't have to trust in your brain and your logic and your power. Like, I can do things that, that you can't do or can't experience or can't expect because I'm God. I created all of you. We're always thankful when God does call us in the things that make sense because it helps us. It makes us feel a little better because anytime we're walking in something where God's maybe asking us to do this, and man, it does not make sense at all. It doesn't, it's like this is not, this is, sounds ridiculous. I'd rather you, God, you, you tell me something that makes sense, and let's do it that way, right? Can you imagine uh, how the Bible would be rewritten if, if that had been the case? We wouldn't have the stories um, like we read a couple weeks ago in Judges. Get down to 300 people. You're about to go up against a big army. Get down to 300 people. We would like for it to say, God said, go recruit and get 300,000 people. And let's go and just slaughter these folks because that's going to beat them. Like that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It squares. It makes us feel good. It's like, ah, oh, yes, great. But we could come up with that plan. We're asking the creator of the universe, do what only you can do. Let miracles happen in our presence. And may that be the thing that points to your goodness and greatness. Because what happened? Because God allowed 300 people to defeat this mighty army, what did that do to Yahweh? His name got bigger and greater, right? Just following our own plan a lot of times and following our own logic, it's not that it's bad, but sometimes we just wait and say, God, what is, what is it that, that you want? <laughs> and when he says it to do the thing that's logical, we're like, oh, great. And when he says the thing that illogical is like, oh, that doesn't make sense, that's not logical at all, it's like, oh, God, we're going to need you to show up. And that's exactly what God wants. He wants to do that thing that only happens if he shows up, if he's in our midst, if he's in our presence. A year ago, uh, actually it happened a couple times, but um, James came to me and I asked James if he wouldn't mind leaving uh, uh, the teaching time that morning. And so James gets up here and does the illogical thing, the thing that didn't make a lot of sense. I'm just going to read. First Peter, as if we need more than the word of God. That doesn't make sense. But I'm going to stand in front of a bunch of people and just try to be obedient and do the thing that sounds the most ridiculous. <laughs> Trusting that God is good enough to do what he said he could do. Twenty some odd years ago, or 
maybe not quite 20. I don't know the exact time frame, but we're getting close to 20. Some people were sitting at a larger church in Easley and said, I think God may be calling us to start something new. It had been a whole lot, made a whole lot more sense to sit in a comfortable larger church than to go out on your own and plant a church. But you had to do what God was calling you to do. My wife and I were uh, about 10 years ago we're heading down the path of infertility and said, well, hey, we're going um, to do these medical procedures and do all this stuff to kind of create life. And we know that would have likely worked because we have now had some natural children. But God and his wisdom and mercy drops an opportunity into our lap one day, literally. And I don't know if, if I've ever told you guys this story, but literally we're having a procedure done the next morning uh, that the doctor said, if we do this little procedure, it sh- it'll likely help with, with fertility. And um, it's a, sco- or a um, what is it? arthroscopic surgery. We go and we clean some scar tissue up, clean some stuff up. Things should ha- work good after that. And we're literally, this is on a Thursday morning, this, this surgery schedule, first thing Thursday. Uh, on Did I mess it up? I'm seeing the medical professionals laugh at me. It's all right. Yeah, I'm only married to one. I'm not one, but I play one on TV. So, um, thanks, thanks. I'm also not a reader of uh, Egyptian towns. Not really good at that either. Um, but anyway, literally Thursday morning, we're having this procedure done. Wednesday afternoon, I'm at my dad's office. My mom comes in, get to the positive. Hey, would you guys interested in adopting a little boy from Nicaragua? I, I, mom, I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? Wow, I was having lunch with this friend of ours named Chris, and she she's in the states right now because she's having some medical procedures, and we need to. Um, uh, and she was I was having lunch with her day, and she was saying that she was hoping maybe while she was here to find a, a family that could adopt this little boy they brought home from the hospital, whose mom and dad had had uh, or his mom had abandoned them at a hospital, and he was a twin, and his twin didn't make it. They were born premature. Mom couldn't afford them, and abandoned them at the hospital. And we brought him home, and we're hoping to find this family for him. Mom says, well, she calls me Michael. Michael and Natalie, they, they may be interested. I'll ask them. She asked me, I don't know, Mom, what are you talking about? She comes back. She says, well, I'm, let me, well, I'll tell you about it, and I come back. So she comes back, tells me a little more about it. I mentioned Natalie that night. Her eyes light up. Next morning, we get up at 6 a.m. We do the logical thing, right? We go to the hospital. We have this procedure. Friday, there's a little bit of recovery. Saturday, we meet with Chris. She shows us a picture of Jude. Instantly, Natalie starts crying. It's like her kid at that point, right? We hadn't even had a home study, but it was like by like Thursday the next week, we have a home study. Uh, what was that? That was May, uh, December 17th. We fly into Nicaragua. She holds him for the first time. It was amazing. Two months later, the adoption's finalized. We finally fly back home. After spending like an amazing like nine, ten weeks in Nicaragua, just the three of us, so it was frustrating, but it was really cool looking back on it. And it's this really cool story, right? And then, what is it? Uh, that was 2012 when we flew back in. It was February 2012 when we flew back in. Uh, what would that be? A year and a couple months later. No, uh, 2012 is 
January of 2014, um, we have Ben. Interesting about Ben, right? He's a twin. His twin doesn't survive. He's born premature at the hospital. Like God had this thing orchestrated that using our human logic, we just said, no, nah, we're not really going to do that. We're just going to go forward and spend all this money on these medical procedures and do the, you know, the thing that makes the most sense. God had this other kind of thing orchestrated that was really cool. I mean, it's, I love telling that story now because it's an awesome picture of what God can do. Now there's these brothers that share this heritage that have no blood relation whatsoever, but they couldn't be any tighter as brothers, right? And they have this similar story. And it's like, what in the world? Who can do that? God can do that, right? God, that's just my story. Like, you guys have your own stories of how God has done stuff. And some of you have shared those stories with me of what God has done in your life and how it can only be how, what God can do. And my prayer for us, because here's the thing. I was reading as I was getting ready and I was reading through some commentaries. This is a really interesting thing that I would have not really have, have noticed in this story. But this one writer says it was an outrageous act of defiance that nullified the great exodus of Israel out of Egypt. Here they are. They're going back to the place that they were in bondage for 400 years that God miraculously delivered them out of. Now they're disobeying God. They're going back to try to get safety. In an outrageous act of defiance that nullified the great exodus out of Egypt, Israel has gone full swing in returning to the place of bondage the people of God have dealt a death blow to their story of salvation. The womb of Israel's birth, Egypt, now becomes the abode of death. This is what the people have fooled themselves into thinking that our logic makes more sense than God's, and so we're going to go here, reversing everything that God had done for them. And so... God gives one more. This is really one of the last prophetic words that in this book, even though it's another handful of chapters left, God gives like one more really prophetic word from Jeremiah to the people of Israel. The word of God came to Jeremiah. This is verse 8 at, what I, I call it again? Tapanis? Take into your hands large stones and hide them in the mortar and the pavement that is the entrance to Pharaoh's palace in that same place. In the sight of the men of Judah. So take these big rocks and put them into the mortar right outside of Pharaoh's palace so that everybody can see you do it. And then turn around and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will set his, stone, his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal canopy over them. He shall come and strike the land of Egypt, giving over to the pestilence those who are doomed to pestilence, to captivity those who are doomed to captivity, to the sword those who are doomed to the sword. I shall kindle a fire in the temples of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. And he shall clean the land of Egypt as a shepherd clings his cloak of the vermin, and he shall go away from there in peace in the land of Egypt. Uh, some stuff, which is in the land of Egypt and the temples of the gods of Egypt, he shall burn with fire. Translation, everything that you're running from with your own wisdom is going to find you here and is going to destroy you. 
And we know from history that happened. That God was faithful to his word, to his people. The interesting thing is, if they had just stayed, God would have been faithful to that word. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to let you grow. I'm going to let you prosper. We're going to build this thing again. And that whole thing was built because there were men and there were women who looked at the word of God with reverence and says, we're going to be obedient to this even though it doesn't make sense. Right? And there was a handful of stories. Remember the spies going out? There's only only two came back and said, we can do this. Even though it seems impossible, God can actually do this, not us. And the other one said, this is impossible. We're not going to do it. So God makes them wander now. For 40 years until those people get rooted out and they have those stories. And so when they cross over and we read all that uh, in Joshua a couple of uh, months ago, when they crossed over, there was this whole thing and the guy, they set up a pillar there to remember God and what he had done and what he brought them out of and that we're never going to look back. And then God began to let them grow all through his um, ways, not the way that made the most sense. And through that, People had faith, and their faith grew, and their faith grew, and their faith grew. And now it shrunk because now they got big enough and said, well, we, we kind of got the hang of this. We can do this on our own. And kings began to take over who weren't holy and who weren't good and who weren't faithful. And they began to work on their own wisdom. And as soon as they started working on their own wisdom, man, the, the structure began to crack and break. And that is the story of all of Scripture. If you go from Genesis and go all the way to Revelation, that is the story of Scripture is one of God pursuing His people. But what we see through it is every time they are faithful to God, God is faithful to them, right? Like every time they're obedient, God lets them prosper. And when they're not, and they try to go on their own wisdom, they fall flat on their face, right? Think of Peter walking out of the boat in faith, doing the impossible. And when he starts to look around and realize this isn't, this isn't humanly possible, what's going on? I'm lacking faith. I'm sinking down into the water now, right? Think of uh, Ananias and Sapphira, right? There were people in the early church that said, we're going to give everything we have and we're going to sell it so that we can share with each other and do this thing. And they weren't forced to. Nobody was making them do that. It wasn't an ordinance that came down from God and said you had to do this. It was just what they were driven to. And there was these two people who said, we're going to sell some land. We're going to keep some money back for ourselves. No big deal. It was their land. They could have kept it. They could have given it. It didn't really matter. But they decided they wanted to lie to the people of God and say, we're going to, we're going to operate on our own wisdom and our own power. What happened? They dropped dead right on the spot. They weren't killed by human hands. They were dropped dead because they, they wanted to rely on their own wisdom and knowledge and power. We see this over and over and over again, especially all through the New Testament, right? Remember just a couple weeks ago, Joshua, they're fighting the battle. Jericho marched around. They followed God's will. Walls fell. Don't take anything. They didn't except for Achan. That sorry sucker took a couple things, hit him under his tent. AI, this little town, they should have demolished. The JV team could have gone in there and, and whipped up on them, and they got beat, Human wisdom said that was Jericho they should have lost, and AI they should have beat soundly. But they weren't faithful to God. Remember John 15. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, then I'll remain in him, and he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. That is our. That is the encouragement, is being obedient to God and everything that he's asked us to do. 
whatever that may be, whatever he's asked you to do, whatever that may be, trusting that God is good and true and faithful to what he's called us to and is not going to let us fall because as soon as we think, oh, maybe we'll fall, we got to rely on our own, own wisdom. And that temptation's strong. That's one reason God gives us a community so that we can lean on each other, right? Paul wrote, is iron sharpens iron? Or Paul quoted it from Proverbs. Is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another? We can help each other out on these things because this, the temptation's there to think, man, this is crazy. I need someone else to say, no, you're not crazy. Trust in God, it's good. We sang a song about it for like a month and a half of this trusting in God. Today, we're going to go to that same God that we can trust and rely on with this encouragement of knowing that no matter what it is he's telling us to do or asking of us, that God is faithful to do what he said he was going to do in our lives. And so with that on our hearts, with that encouragement, with that faith, with that trust, with that hope, we're going to go to the God who hears us and who does speak to us with prayer. And then together we're going to say all the things that we believe, the core beliefs that we have. And so this morning, if you wouldn't mind, bow your heads with me. Let's, let's pray to a God who hears. If it's your first time in a long time praying to God, I invite you to spend some time in silence. If you're joining us online and you've never believed in God, it's a fantastic time to, but it's not gonna, it's not a logical thing. It makes no logical sense. But also if you want someone to pray with you. Um, about something specific. Uh, we got some folks, uh, we got Angie is online that will be willing to pray with you if you're joining us online. If you're here, you just pull me aside or anybody else, any of us will pray with you. So um, let's go to this God that loves us, that speaks to us and that, and that allows us to flourish with all that is on our hearts this morning. God, we are thankful that we don't have to know everything and we don't have to be perfect. All we have to do is trust you that you do know everything and that you are perfect and that you are good and that you love us. God, even if what you're calling us to seems crazy, we can trust and know that you're, A, the only one that we need to please. And B, that you love us and that you're not going to allow things to happen that you don't give us the strength to endure. God, may we not be like the Israelites, the people of Judah who wanted to rely on their own wisdom because what you were calling them to looked foolish. God, may we do the thing that looks foolish to men so that we can see your miracles happen. God, we're thankful that you call us sons and daughters. We're thankful that you can do things that we don't understand. God, would you forgive us for the arrogance of thinking that we can understand you? And God, would you let us just rest in knowing that you are good and we can just be faithful regardless of how silly the 
request or how silly the instruction from you seems in our logical minds. But God, may we be patient to see your miracle. God, we love you and we thank you. And now, whether you're here in person or joining us online, would you say with me all the words that we believe that confirms our, the faith of our baptism through the words of the Nicene Creed? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.